In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Jesus, Word of God, reveal more of yourself to us through your presence in the Bible. Led by the Holy Spirit, guide our time of reflection. May it increase our desire for you in the Scripture and in the Sacrament. Amen. If you liked hearing from Chapter 2 of the Acts of the Apostles last weekend, you're in luck, because we're hearing from it again as our first reading at Mass. This weekend, St. Peter is out to prove a point. He's speaking to a crowd just moments after Pentecost, and he wants to prove to them that Jesus is the Messiah. Like any good Jew at the time of Jesus, Peter is going to base his argument around Scripture, and he's going to use Psalm 16 to do it. Here's Peter's line of thinking. King David wrote Psalm 16, and Psalm 16 says this in verse 10, You will not abandon my soul to the netherworld, nor will you suffer your Holy One to see corruption. Yet Peter continues that one can confidently say to you about the patriarch David that he died and was buried, and his tomb is in our midst to this day. What does all this mean? Clearly, if King David said that God will not let his Holy One see corruption, this Holy One wasn't David himself because they know where his tomb is. Rather, the one who is this Holy One, this Messiah, is the one who was neither abandoned to the netherworld nor had his flesh see corruption. Of course, we know that Jesus' flesh didn't see the corruption of permanent death, and therefore, he must be the Messiah spoken about by King David in Psalm 16. Following St. Peter's logic, here it is. King David said that the Holy One, the Messiah, would not see corruption. King David saw corruption, and his tomb was in Jerusalem. Therefore, King David wasn't talking about himself, but he prophesied about Jesus as the Messiah, the Holy One, who would not see the corruption of the grave. From there, we're going to hear from St. Peter again in our second reading, a passage from the first chapter of the first letter of Peter. But here it's helpful to understand that old things were highly prized in the ancient world. The more something stood the test of time, the more it was valued. There was even a popular axiom that went like this, older is better, oldest is best. Think of how, for those living here in Tampa Bay, the Columbia restaurant boasts of their 1905 salad. The recipe dates back over a hundred years. Or certain products at the store will have on their label, established in 1949, say. Well, the same older is better, oldest is best line of thinking was very prevalent at the time of St. Peter. So when Christians began following this new teacher named Jesus, many were skeptical because he was just so new to the scene. Here's the brilliance of St. Peter. He counteracts this line of reasoning by showing how Jesus was actually known before the foundation of the world, but revealed in the final time for you. What's he saying? Something like, yeah, Jesus may be relatively new on the scene, but believe it or not, this teacher, Jesus, has actually been around since before the foundation of the world. So take that, Socrates. Earlier in the passage, St. Peter also addresses another early buckaboo about Christianity. Becoming a follower of Jesus meant that someone had to reject former patrimony and upbringing. This was very difficult for some because, remember, Heritage and antiquity were everything back then. But St. Peter addresses that, too, saying that those who are now Christian were ransomed from your feudal conduct, handed on by your ancestors. From there, we move to the famous Road to Emmaus story of St. Luke's Gospel. It very well could be an elaboration of a story that St. Mark shares in the final chapter of his Gospel, where he says that Jesus appeared in another form to two disciples walking along on their way to the country. 
As they were walking, Jesus, of course, appears in their midst, but the two, for whatever reason, don't recognize him right away. And perhaps the most ironic line in the entire Bible, one of the two, the one named Cleopas, asks Jesus, Are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who does not know the things that have taken place there in these days? I mean, come on, this is painfully ironic. Because Jesus is the only one who really does know the things that have taken place. As he opens up the scriptures for them, the night grows dark and they need to rest. Following a hospitality custom of that culture, the two insist that Jesus stay with them and he obliges. When he breaks the bread with them at table, their eyes are opened and they recognize him, but he vanishes from their sight. The whole story follows a pattern of a recognition scene called anagnorisis in Greek. It's the moment when a character known to other characters suddenly has his true identity revealed. It happens in Homer's Odyssey and in Oedipus Rex, but also in more modern stories such as The Sixth Sense or even Star Wars. Remember that famous line, Luke, I am your father? Well, that's a moment of anagnorisis, just like what we see happening here on the road to Emmaus. So that's it. That's your Sunday setup for this third Sunday in Easter in year A. May this knowledge of the story behind the scripture allow you to encounter Jesus Christ in a new way this weekend. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.